Well, good morning. I'm glad to have you here this morning. I just told Stuart, I kind of feel like I wish I could just sit down and teach this morning. Uh, we've had seven of the grandkids at the house the last two days, and, and they're all like this size. <clears throat> so I came in early to study even more this morning. Jesus wants me to get away, that's right. So uh, we're in the book of James looking at the truth we need to know when, and there's nothing about grandkids in this, but uh, there is some fantastic, if you haven't been with us, we took off for Easter, of course, last week uh, out of the book of James, but it's been super real life. The truth we need to know when, when we're facing hardship, the truth we need to know when we need wisdom, the truth we need to know when we are tempted. The truth we need to know when we are angry. And now this morning, James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 21 through 25. And I think as we read it, it's going to be really obvious. The truth we need to know when. Uh, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like, so here's a fantastic illustration for us. He is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be, what? Blessed in what he does because he is a, a doer, not a forgetful hearer. So pretty straightforward this morning. What's the truth we need when we hear God's word? So kind of unique. What do you need to know with what's about to happen? Because you just heard God's word and we're gonna unpack it. What do you need to know as we are hearing? And I don't think, here's a little heads up, I don't think there's gonna be any moment where you go, wow. There may be a moment where you go, ooh. I'm not sure how to spell that, but here's the difference. Wow is you blew my mind. I don't think I'm gonna blow your mind this morning. I don't think the text is gonna blow your mind. I think it was pretty straightforward. I think you might go, ooh, like what? You, yeah, you stepped on my toes. Does the scripture ever step on your toes? Why? To get you to move. If somebody steps on your toes and then they, you're like, what's the point? Sometimes we get too stuck, stationary. And when we hear God's word, it's intended to make us move. So what do we need to know? It's pretty straightforward. First, 
When I hear God's word, I need to know that I will not be able to receive it if I'm still holding on to some old past sinful practices. I'll not be able to receive God's word if I'm holding on to sinful practices. Now, let's be clear. He says multiple times in this letter, my brethren, my beloved brethren, my brethren. In other words, James is speaking to believers. So the picture here is sometimes believers hold on to stuff they have been forgiven. I think this will be best understood, visualized. So I'm actually not going to pick on somebody in the front row because nobody wants to sit on the front row because they're afraid I'm going to call them up. So Dave McKee, you're an elder here. Uh, Come on up. You're halfway back. Please don't sit further back next week because of this. In fact, the guarantee going forward is that if you sit on the front row, I won't call you up. All right, so this is Dave. Dave, come on over here. Dave's one of our elders. He is a brother in Christ. So, meaning he has trusted in Jesus. He has admitted his sin, believed that Christ paid that penalty for him. His sin is forgiven. There is therefore now no condemnation for Dave who is in Christ. But he, like the rest of us, has to take verse 21, therefore putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness. Uh, that rema- and this is my boss, so let me tread tender- carefully here. Uh, that there is, uh, whether in thought or attitude, there's always a temptation for some filthiness to remain in Dave. <laughs> Don't deny your sin. There you go. (laughs) And some wickedness. You got it? Yeah, you got it. Two hands here, man. There we go. Yeah, you look so stunned. Michelle was talking to me this week, his wife. She she confirmed. (laughs) Filthiness, wickedness. Now, really, forgiven? Don't, Don't lose me here. Forgiven as not because of his good works, but because of what Jesus has done on his behalf. No condemnation. But for all of us, there's still the potential for, and it may be only in thought. It may be that wicked attitude. It may work its way out of your mouth. And it's still there. Now, what's that have to do with receiving God's work? These look like tennis balls, but these are actually truth nuggets. And so when I take truth nuggets and I toss them to Dave, he can try to hang on. That's right. Oh, (laughs) there you go. He can catch them, but can he, yeah, can he actually have them? No, they're here, but he can't truly receive them because of What? Filthiness, wickedness. So, church, what's Dave need to do? What's the text say? Putting aside all, see, it's slipping. (laughs) Putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word. So, if he was going to be obedient to the text, 
what would you do? Yes, and, oh, get a little aggressive with it. This is a big moment, don't miss it. There we go. And, and, all right. <laughs> now you may go, that's silly. No, it's not. Because every time you open up the scriptures, whether you do it in here, whether you do it by yourself at home, there ought to be something that happens before you hear God's word. Matt led it this morning, if you did you notice. In fact, on a weekly basis, maybe this will help you clue in more to our worship service process. We not only take time to lift our voice in praise, there's almost always a time of confession. See, when the text says, putting aside all filthiness, putting aside all that remains of wickedness. It's a, a moment to acknowledge, Lord, you are worthy of all praise and my thoughts, my attitudes, my actions, they haven't reflected you. Laying it aside is to confess. And we do so with the reminder that this, this week I'm going to be, I'm going to be tempted to, again, whether thought and it, I'm going to be tempted. No, I'm going to lay it aside. You see, there is a, a walking with the Lord that not only involves you and I as we are saved, being forgiven, reconciled to God, and we'll see this even more clearly in a moment, and learning to lay aside. But when I'm holding on to things, see, let me get real here. When you walk into this room and you're still holding a grudge, you just, you're holding that and you can't receive. Well, you can hear it and you might be able to balance that. You know it, but you can't receive it because of what you're holding on to. One of the unique uh, experiences I have as a teaching pastor is there's just times that right before service, Jackie and I will have a uh, discussion. In fact, it was either last week, it was either the Good Thursday service or the Good Friday service, kind of right before. There's brokenness between her. And what do I feel? then I feel in that situation that I'm holding stuff and yet I'm supposed to be tossing you all stuff. And I go, I just can't do that. Can't hold my stuff and toss you. And the flip side's true. You with me? You can't hold your stuff in and receive the word of God. This is why so much of our life is honest, humble, confession, laying aside. Acknowledging, I picked it up. I need to lay it aside. Because as long as I hold on to it, I cannot receive 
what the Lord has given us. So I hope maybe next week, maybe tomorrow, before you open the scriptures, you'll have that picture in your mind. I, I want to want to lay down that which is not pleasing to the Lord in order that I can truly receive what he has. So that's first. What I need to know, I need to put aside so I can receive. Uh, in humility, receive the word of God. As I receive the scriptures, as I hear it, I need to know that the word of God is the final authority in my life. That is simply uh, acknowledging I humbly, I place myself under it. It is the final authority. This is why, again, what do we so often visualize here? This is final authority. <laughs> this is consideration. And every time you and I hear the word of God, we either have it here. See, you haven't thrown your Bible out. If you threw your Bible out, you wouldn't be here. So I'm not asking you, have you thrown your Bible out? I'm just going, where is it? Is it here? You know what I mean? Like, I consider it along with everything else I've heard and everything else I think, or I final authority. If the word of God says it, I submit to it. Uh, here's what the scripture says about itself. It's inspired by God. In other words, it comes from him. And here's what it's good for, for teaching. In other words, for declaring, here's what's true. For reproof. Stop. Stop thinking that. Stop saying that. Stop responding that way. Uh, Stop being so quick to speak and so slow to listen. For correction, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For training in righteousness, learn to lay aside, lay it aside. It's forgiven, lay it aside. For training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate. In other words, that you would have all that you need regardless of your season or circumstance in life. Single, trying to live clearly and purely before the Lord, the scripture gives you what you need. Married, trying to lay down your life, love for another, the scripture makes you adequate for that. Trying to raise kids, Go to the scriptures. It's adequate. Trying to deal with loss. Widow, widower. Don't run from the scriptures. The scripture makes you adequate. Equipped for every good work, whatever season, whatever circumstance in life. I need to know that when I come to the word of God, if I'm going to receive it. When I hear it, I need to be here in humility. This is the final authority in my life. One last run at verse 21. In humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. What's he saying? 
that the scripture has within it the truth to lead you to salvation. Why? (laughs) Here's why. Because the word of God is, this might sound funny to you, but the word of God is Jesus. This is what he said to those who missed. They knew the scriptures, they heard the scriptures, but they were not receiving the scriptures because it said, he says to them, you know the scriptures, you study the scriptures who speak of me and yet you reject me. The apostle John, when he begins his gospel, he says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh. In other words, the written word is the living word. It is Jesus. And he says, I have come. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. The scripture is Jesus who alone can save. So I'm not going to belabor this long, friends, but never, ever hesitate when someone doesn't know the Lord to simply give them the scriptures. We're too inclined to give, nothing wrong with other books, but we're too inclined to give other books instead of the book. Part of, if you were here last week for Easter Sunday, part of what I loved about Donna's story was an individual who was an atheist and then an agnostic. Okay, if there is a God, but he cannot be known, what'd she do? She read a Bible. She read the Gospel of John. And by the time she finished one book of the Bible about the person of Jesus, there is a God and he can be known. He does love me and he demonstrated his love for me. We don't have to be too cute about this. Somebody you work with, somebody in your family, don't hesitate to encourage them to go to the scriptures and help them. Met a guy a couple weeks ago. It was his fifth time he told me. It was my fifth time. He said, I got a Bible, I'm reading it, and I'm in Leviticus. You know, if you don't know what that means, that means he was in the middle of the Old Testament with killing a bunch of animals and blood and building stuff. And I said to him, oh, let me do you a favor and give you permission. Don't read Leviticus yet. <laughs> he was like, and he literally, he said, really? I said, really? Don't read that yet. Now, is it probable it was good? Yeah. Not for that. Not yet. Here, read this instead. I can do that? Yes, you can do that. See, sometimes we just need to help where people start. And the best place to start again is the scripture. And I said I wasn't going to belabor it, and then I belabored it. So, the word of God is powerful for salvation. But this passage is also to, not also, it's to believers. And so when it speaks of Jesus, Jesus is not, watch, he's not only our savior, he is our sanctifier. In other words, Jesus is not only paid the penalty for our sin, savior, he has set us free from the power of sin so that we can live a 
a new life. He's our sanctifier. He's growing us into the image of himself. If while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, how? Through the death of his son, his son paid our penalty for us. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his, his life. In other words, it's not only the death of Jesus is the gospel that restores me to right relationship with God. It is by his resurrection and his indwelling. The word of God imparted. The word Jesus dwelling in you in the person of the Holy Spirit that is in the process of saving you from the power of sin, that you can walk in newness of life. So, you're not yet in relationship with God. Go to the scriptures and read. I see my friend back there who read and, and came to know Jesus. And now, keep reading. Because now that you've been restored, learn to walk in newness of life. Saving you not only from the penalty of sin, but what? The power of sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. So, lay it aside. It's your final authority. And recognize it. Power to save from the penalty of sin, the power of, to save from the power of sin. Savior and sanctifier. Okay, that was three passes at verse 21. 1 to 22 through 24. But, again, what do we need to know? As we hear the word of God, prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. Once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. So what do I need to know as I hear God's word? I need to know that if I hear it, but don't do it, I delude, and don't miss it, I delude who? Me. I delude simply means I deceive or I mislead, not others, me. How's that happen? Again, super simple, but make sure. You hear a sermon, you open up your Bible, you don't read Leviticus, you read the Gospel of John. You come to know the person of Jesus who's revealed there, but all you do is hear it. All you do is know it. You don't actually move. <laughs> you don't actually do it. How is it that that deceives you? The person who knows the scripture will begin to think, I know it, I am I'm mature. 
I am growing. And you're growing in knowledge, but not necessarily maturity, not growing into Christ-likeness. But it's so easy to think knowledge equals maturity. And the, friends, the longer we've been in church, the more sermons we've hear, heard, the more Bible studies we've participated in, the more inclined we are to mislead ourselves to think that because we know it, we're pleasing the Lord. And he gives this fantastic illustration that I think, I, 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 this may, maybe I'm wrong, I'll say 99% of you did what he said in this text. You looked in a mirror today, right? Why? Why'd you look in a mirror? To see what needed fixed, right? Yeah, and now some of you go, oh, no, no, I just admired. <laughs> My oldest son, Clayton, fifth grade, he's getting ready for school, and I walk by the bathroom, and I stop because he is standing on the edge of the garden tub so he can see his full body in the mirror over the vanity. And I stop because he's looking, and then he pivots, and then he pivots, and I finally, he didn't know I was there, I finally said, Clay, you like what you see? <laughs> and he said, it's hard not to. <laughs> I knew my work was cut out for me as dad right there. <laughs> I don't know that any of us ever, though, look in here and go, wow, I like what I see in the mirror of who I am. See, the looking in the scripture is intended to be the same as looking in the mirror. It, again, I'll give 99% of you looked in the mirror and then you, you did something because of what you saw. And if you were forgetful, here, seer, you walked away. And if you're married, your spouse said, you're going to go like that? Yeah. Ever said that to you? You're going to go like, you're going to wear that? You, you don't want to fix that? In other words, did you look in a mirror? And if you said to them, yeah, I looked in a mirror. Looking in a mirror actually by itself never helped anyone. You ever think about that? You come, your hair's going in 17 directions. Everything's like wrong. And you go, whoa, rough morning. I looked in the mirror. Can't argue with that. But looking in the mirror is for a purpose. Did a wedding last night. And it was a super small wedding, so we all went to Chop House 13 for dinner afterwards. I was like, sweet. And they brought me a seven-ounce filet. 
It looked so nice, nice and thick, cut it open, medium rare. There was probably some vegetable on the side, but that's irrelevant. It was just a... And then what did I do? I ate it. I didn't look at it and then go, well, thank you. You can take it away now. No, they brought it for me and I enjoyed what I saw and then I ate it. You see, none of us just, well, maybe some of you do it. I don't understand. You look at me and go, that's nice. Okay, you can take it away. They brought me cheesecake. I looked at it and then I ate it. You look in a mirror and it's important to look in the mirror. Otherwise, you don't know what to fix. But if all you do is look in the mirror, looking in the mirror by itself never fixed anyone. Oh, that's what the scripture's saying. Reading your Bible is important, but reading your Bible only, coming to church, listening to a sermon, actually, it, it's not that it just didn't help you it's, and you stayed neutral. What did it do? Here, here's what's dangerous. If you show up week after week after week and you look in this mirror and you look in the mirror and you see what you see, but you never actually do anything, do you stay neutral? No, you don't, you don't grow. What happens? You actually deceive yourself. Ooh. Yeah. Attending church, reading your Bible without application to life is not just neutral, it's negative. Because it creates an understanding about me that is misleading. I begin to see myself inaccurately. I think I'm somebody I'm not. So the scripture, pretty, pretty clear. It's not just what we know. And this, this, is the, this is the danger, friends. The longer we're in church, the more we have the capacity to say, I know, I know. With a guy recently. I know. He asked me about a situation. I told him what the scripture, yeah, I know, I know. And we were in the parking lot. I bet you he said 20 times, I know, I know, I know, I know. And when he got, climbed in his vehicle and I climbed in mine, you know what I knew? That he knew and was not going to do anything different than before. So we learned this line, I know, I know. No. We just are really, we, we rarely say the last no. I know, I know. No. You, you understand? You ever heard yourself saying this? Like, in everything, give thanks. I, I know, I know. No, not about that. See, some of you just went, ooh, not wow. You went, ooh. As you've received a gift, employ it in serving one another. I, I know, I know. No. You see what? I know, we, we have the tone, the pace, I, I know, I, I know, no. Admonish the unruly, no, that's for the elders. Uh, love your enemies, 
I know. I know. No. <laughs> Confess your sins to one another? Yeah, uh, not a chance. Not a chance on that one. You see what I'm saying? We hear, I doubt for the vast majority, you're like, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't, I, it's, I know, I know. Rejoice always. No. And, and here are, I think probably the two biggest, I know, I know. No. Forgive 77? The vast majority of you know Jesus said, forgive 70 times seven. I know. I know. Not a chance. Forgive once? Yes, I've been forgiven. Forgive twice? Mm, if they mean it. Forgive third time? Last chance. Right? You see what I'm saying? We have this, I know, I know. No. And the all time, the all time for us. Be my witnesses. I know. I know. No. Now again, we're, we're not rude about the no. But we just become, what's the scriptures call us? Forgetful hearers. It's so challenging. And and I'm talking about us. You think it's challenging to hear and do? It's challenging to be the teacher and do. To not be the, the hypocrite who says it and doesn't do it. It's challenging. To say, I'm going to not become, I know, I know. No. There may be others on your list. It didn't take me long. It's just for me to go through. Where am I most challenged in the scripture? Stuff that I know. so often deluding myself that thinking that I know I'm supposed to give thanks thinking that I know and I know how to be a witness and I know I should be a witness and I know I want to be a witness but I actually never like pull the trigger aim There's all sorts of illustrations. Aim, 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 re-aim, aim. It's just never getting past this no right here. What will get us, what'll get us from hearers only to doers? Take a peek at the next verse. He says it last, but I think this is the bottom line. 
But one, verse 25, one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed. What am I saying? I am saying that I think at core, if my heart and your heart, if we really, really came to the conclusion that the blessing is in the, the doing, not just the knowing, that the, the blessing is in the, the doing. If we believe that, we would, we, we, we do it, right? Because I just, I just don't think there's that many of us who get up and go, you know, I'm just not really that interested in the blessing of the Lord today. I think, I think in the heart, brothers and sisters in Christ, in you, yours, there's in you a desire. Yeah, I want the blessing of the Lord, but there's somehow this, this disconnect that, that I can get some of the blessing in the knowing, but not convinced that I'll miss God's blessing without doing. The one who looks intently. Why would I look intently? Why would I? Some of you have one of those mirrors. I never knew these things existed until I got married. I was like, that mirror makes your face like this big. You saw what I'm talking about? You flip it over, it's normal, and then you flip it, and the other one is like, wow, that's way too close. But to look, that's called wanting to look intently. Why wouldn't he look intently at the law? Why would we look intently? As we believe. That in it is blessing. See, do I, stood right here for the wedding yesterday, do I really believe that the blessing of God will be in the treating of Jackie like Jesus treats me? To sacrificially love her. I'm not going to lose my life in that. I'm going to find the joy in marriage as God intended it and joyfully, sacrificially loving her. She's really going to find the blessing of God as she, as the church submits to Christ, as she submits. She's not going to lose life in that. See what I'm saying? I really believe that the, that the scripture says truth that if I do it, there'll be blessing. Seems to be the hurdle. Because actually, in your heart desires a blessing of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Life is as God intended me to really live it.
It's the perfect law. It's the law of liberty. See, I didn't always think. Uh, I didn't always think that the scriptures would set me free. I thought the scriptures would rob me of the freedom I wanted. The law of liberty. The, the scripture that says to me, not do whatever you want, but here's how you can live for what you were created. And that's true freedom. Not doing what I want, but doing what I've been made to do. That's true freedom. But I was reluctant with the scriptures until I came to the conviction. His commands are not burdensome. They're not. There is freedom in everything giving thanks. There is freedom in forgiving as much as I have been forgiven. There is freedom and no grudges, no bitterness. There is freedom in laying down my life. There is freedom in the scriptures. And when I believe it, I'll do it. See, when I hear God's word, what I really need to know is obedience brings blessing. It's what it says. Obedience brings blessing. And when I believe that, guess what? It's not hard to lay aside. Because the stuff I'm holding on to, what's it doing? It's robbing me of God's blessing in my life. The stuff, literally, sometimes, I hope you won't be bothered by that. Sometimes we can be so stupid. You understand what I mean by that? We just hold on to stuff that's robbing us. Lay it aside. Let this have final authority. Why? Because it's the perfect law of liberty leads me into life. So let me invite you to bow with me. As we bow before the Lord now. Uh, let me kind of just lead you through this text prayerfully. Would you before the Lord in the quietness of your seat, would you just tell him, Lord, I believe that your law is perfect. Your word is perfect. I believe your word brings blessing. She tell him that. And then follow. And so, Lord, I do reset it as the final authority in my life. Your word above every other word. And so I humbly and quickly lay aside this junk that I've been holding on to. And Lord, when I get out of my seat today, I'm going to get out of it to go and, and to do. To become who you've made me to be, not just in my mind, but in, in reality. 
Lord, I'm grateful. I'm grateful that you have given your word to us, that you do speak. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Would you increase in me and increase in us your body here at the chapel? Uh, a readiness to receive it. A hunger for it. And a conviction of the good that it holds. And thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So... This morning, we're going to end a little differently. We usually end with a, uh, a song. Instead, we're going to end this morning with a challenge. The challenge is what some of you heard earlier, 84 in 30. You may go, I have no idea what 84 in 30 means. Here's what 84 in 30 means. Power Clubs is a high-energy program for kids, similar to a vacation Bible school, but is hosted in front yards across Jacksonville. It's a ton of fun. There are games, skits, Bible teaching, snacks, more games, and most importantly, Power Clubs shares the gospel with thousands of kids each summer. How can you join the fun? Host a club! You may be asking, what impact can one front yard really have? Well, meet Holly. Holly and her family attended a Power Club for the first time 12 years ago. They loved it and returned every summer for three years to the same club in the same front yard. They were so impacted by power clubs, they began attending CFC. Then they decided to host a club of their own. And guess what? There has been a ripple effect. Holly loves hosting power clubs and her excitement has become contagious. She began to encourage other people to host as well, like their entire family group, 11 families. One year, a dad brought his daughter to Holly's power club and he came to Christ. He now loves the Lord, attends CFC, and he and his wife host a club in their new neighborhood. Not to mention all the neighbors Holly has met over the years because of hosting a power club, and many of them come to her club year after year. These are just a few examples of the impact your front yard could have. If we consider all the kids who've attended a power club in a front yard or served on a power club team, wow, what an impact. So why host a club? Because you can impact an entire community, not just your street. So I love that last phrase, you can impact an entire community, not just your street. Host homes do way more than just bless their neighborhood. They have a huge impact. Hi, my name is Becky Conover. I'm the minister to children here at Christian Family Chapel. I also have the incredible privilege of being the director of Power Up Clubs, our high, high energy program for children that spreads the gospel all over Jacksonville. Um, I love Power Up Clubs. And so today I'm here to ask if you would help us meet, reach the goal of 84 host homes in 30 days. Um, we actually um, are very excited to, to host or to um, partner with you in that. Um, so I've totally lost my, my <laughs> what I was going to say. Um, all right. So if you sign up in the next 30 days, um, you will receive a puck pack. Let's look at that puck pack. You will get a nice shirt and then you would get all kinds of puck swag to invite and have an incredible power up club at your home. Um, our goal is 84 homes in 30 days, and so we would love if you would take the time to sign up today. Now, you might be asking, why do I need to sign up today for something that's going to happen in July? This is why. First, if you sign up by March 
16th, um, then you can come to our host home meeting where we will equip you to have an effective club in your neighborhood. And we are also having extra training this year using our blessed strategies um, to use power clubs and bless together to bless your neighborhood. Um, second, it also gives us time to provide all that you need to invite and advertise power clubs in your neighborhood. We provide your uh, save the date cards, your um, invitations, and QR codes, um, those lovely little codes that people can click on to find out information about power clubs, as well as register for your club. So we provide all of that for you if you sign up in time. Um, and then thirdly, for all of you that have children in school right now, um, you can give Save the Day cards to children in your kids' classes, their sports teams, their dance class, your co-op, all before the end of the school year. That is genius. That's a fantastic way to invite people. Because sometimes host homes really struggle. Who do I invite? How do I invite? Well, right there, if you have kids, it's a perfect way to invite people. So how do you sign up? Very, very easy. Um, you see that little QR code? You can click on that and sign up right now. Um, you can open up your CFC app, and we have it there. You can sign up there. You can um, go onto our website. There's a way to sign up there. Um, and if you have any questions, I would love to talk to you about what it means to host, uh, be a host home. I was a host home many years ago when we first came to the chapel, and it was a blast. And so I would love to talk to you out in the courtyard. Um, and we'll be here between services as well as after the second service. We have Holly out there. We just were um, introduced to Holly. She's out there and would love to talk to you as well. So um, this is my first time ever dismissing adults. And so you are now, thank you for coming today. So glad that you're here. I will see you out in the courtyard.